Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Is Your podcast with your hosts Sam Foote and Anna Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Microsoft 365 focused IT security professionals. It's episode five of season four. Alan and I had a discussion around Azure Confidential Ledger recently. Confidential computing is an essential solution for organizations to source sensitive data in the cloud. Azure Confidential Ledger takes that a step further with a blockchain-derived TAMP-approved data storage solution. Here are a few things that we covered. Why would an organization need a TAMP-approved data store? What is Azure Confidential Ledger? And how can Microsoft and Azure be kept out of the data store? If you are subscribed, thank you so much for supporting the show. However, we have noticed that a large number of you aren't subscribed. If you do enjoy the podcast, please do consider subscribing. It would mean a lot to us for you to show your support to the show. It's a really great episode, so without further delay, let's jump straight in. Hey, Alan, how are you doing today? Hey, Sam, not doing too bad. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. I've seen a lot of um, MVP renewals uh, this time of the year. Yep, it's the renewal, isn't it? So I get to miss this one because I got it mine this year. But yep, I don't know if I do and don't look forward to it next year. <laughs> see, yeah, I did. I've yeah. done enough. <laughs> yeah, I did see a lot of um, nervous tweets and then yeah, celebratory tweets like a few days later, right? You know, <laughs> have I done enough? Have I done enough? <laughs> you know, things like that. But yeah, lots of good renewals, uh, definitely in our space. Yeah, I managed to get. Um, I think it was today actually. I got a new badge from Credly, instead of it being um, just a, I say just, but the MVP logo that normally is. So they've up, sort of updated it as giving you badges every year with you, with okay. the year you've done it. Nice. So yeah. yeah, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. And that's like another sort of digital token, you know, on top of, you know, your, um, your physical, what do they call it? Like the little puck thing that goes on your... Um, the award yeah the, is it award yeah it's yeah it's like a little puck thing you get one for every year don't you so um yep. so that's cool that you've got both sides that's really good yeah it is so so sam what are we talking about today yeah so we're having a um a chat around um azure confidential ledger um it's 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 it, to me it's quite an interesting technology um and it's got some i'm i'm not gonna say I'm not going to say niche, you know, um, you know, it's not sort of a niche workload, but it's definitely it's definitely a unique sort of data store that is maybe, you know, a, a level different than other, you know, um, cloud based storage solutions that, you know, Azure has. Um, so what I find interesting is is to go and look at um various different uh, solutions that Azure have got, because there are so many of them. And um, a lot of the solutions around confidential computing, they have um, very um, unique, you know, um, uh, features and, um, you know, uh, problems that they're trying to solve, right? You know, they layer on um, a lot of, um, uh, you know, a lot of com a lot of complex situations, you know, are streamlined by these cloud solutions, right? So it's it's quite interesting to to dive deeper into and to find out um, what they can actually achieve. Okay, cool. Okay, so sh shall we shall we start then? Yeah, let's jump in. Okay, so why would organisations need a tamper-proof data store? Okay, so I think. If if we if we just talk about a normal data store, 
um you know in the cloud to start off with and you know like the types of data stores that we do have you know i think probably one of the most i'll call it well one of one of the most popular cloud like first solutions is like a an azure storage account for instance you know you can you can post um uh, blobs of data um and um so you could upload um word documents pictures you could upload um data uh, basically to a storage account and as long as you've got you know the permissions to write to that data store uh sorry that storage account then you know you can freely add edit delete you know um uh, sort of to your to your heart's content really um and most you know most data stores the whole point of them is that they're mutable right you know you can update them afterwards you know there's you know, um, if you've got a database, let's say you've got an Azure SQL database, you know, and you've got a record in, in that database, you know, let's say we have a user record for Alan and um, Alan's, I don't know, Alan's um, got a new award. We might want to attach that to his user profile, right? You know, so we want to be able to, to edit those. But in some scenarios, you might be storing um, items that you, you never want to change once you've actually logged them. So, so if you, I suppose if we if we think of another data store that could be used for something like this would be um, Azure Monitor or Log Analytics, right? You know where you're, you know if you're if you're logging uh, events that have happened in your organization. Let's say they're user login events, as an example. Um, you would want to log those into you know um, a data store, and you might never want to edit them, right? So you know in in that. In that in that product, you know, there's there's no like update command, is there? You know, in, in there, you just you you write to it and then you read from it um, going forward. And so that's really simple from a process perspective. You write your data in and you can read it. You can retain it for as long as you so wish. Um, and you 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 can you you then get value out of having that structured data that you can query. Now, some especially logs um, and changes in an organization, um, you, you may you may want to be able to attest that they are never tampered with. So things like um, operational IT and security events, you know, um, there's regulatory, you know, compliance um, controls which want to enforce that you can attest that, um, you know, um, events that have happened in your organization have happened on a certain date and that you can verify that those haven't been tampered with because you know in theory you know um if we think about insider risk um i could i could add uh you know a log item to log analytics and then in theory i could delete it afterwards couldn't i you know i could sort of if i you know um if we think about like a nefarious insider risk um i could I could, um, you know, run an action inside the organization and then I could delete, you know, my my trail of, of logs basically after that point. Um, so, so, so we've got, you know, situations like that, you know, we've also got, um, you know, if I think about like the finance sector, you know, um, recording, you know, rec records relating to like business transactions, you know, um, I've worked, you know, for finance organizations that have ledgers of, you know records um, and being able to um, verify and attest that 
you know um, what we recorded has has actually been recorded correctly and not been tampered with um you know uh, down the line to to cover any you know potential uh, nefarious changes so there are definite use cases you know to pro- to to protect um data once it is actually been entered into the system now you know you you could say that you're just effectively moving the problem to the i think it's to the left you know and you you're basically saying well i could tamper it tamper with it on the way in you know you could there could be something on the application side and and that isn't necessarily going to fix th- th- this solution isn't going to fix that problem uh, but what it is going to do is it's going to allow you to store um data in a um secure tamper proof repository that you know once it goes in um you 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 you're basically cryptographically um assured that um it hasn't been tampered with once it has been actually committed um to the data store okay cool so it's we talked about some data stores um where we just put data in but there's no sort of logging potential logging about how that data got changed or if that data has changed and in effect we're saying that you know to be able to you know bring tamper proof data stores and why we need them is to in effect prove that that data is still valid still trusted um not in effect like you said not been tampered with so you can validate that you know if you need to use it for anything it is as it was when it came into the when it was stored yeah, and it's probably just calling out that some of this data can be sort of, you know, highly confidential and sensitive information, right? You mm-hmm. know, if you're, you know, if you're a financial institution and you're logging, you know, um, financial transactions that run through, you know, one of your business processes, you know, you could have highly, you know, highly sensitive information about money moving inside your organization that you, you, you need to make sure that those records are you know, maintained to a, you know, a very high standard, if that makes sense in terms of tamper proofing, but also maintaining data privacy um, as well. Yeah. Okay. So, so how do you maintain data privacy if, um, if the cloud provider is hosting the solution like Azure? Okay. So, yeah. And I think, you know, this, this is, I suppose, one of the, um, one of the more complex questions when we're starting to talk about, you know, hosting highly sensitive data, you know, in a cloud environment, right? You know, because at the end of the day, there is an element of like trust um, involved in the cloud provider, right? You know, you know, we are, you know, we are potentially uploading um, sensitive information into a, we'll call it a third party, um, and and trusting that all the different levels inside of that organization are going to maintain data privacy, you know, um, you know, for us, basically, you know, that's the shared responsibility model, right? You know, but on the, you know, so on the other side of that, if we play devil's advocate, we also sometimes, you know, um, would in some, some scenarios you can't get round, you know, um, maybe regulatory compliance or internal compliance controls, which is, you know, um, we can't share this data with another third party, you know, even if they're just, you know, um, storing it for us and, 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 and managing that storage for us. So what is a, what, what essentially is, is happening is, is, um, 
um, the, the, a hardware secure enclave um, is used um, in this scenario. And, and what that effectively is, is that is a sort of containerized, um, I'll call it a sandbox in which um, this solution runs. But that is actually run on the CPU hardware itself. So, so, so what effectively happens is, is as you go to add data into um, Confidential Ledger, um, you're, let's say you're using the REST API, your, your request comes in with your data payload and the TLS connection terminates inside of the uh, secure enclave itself. So all the way through Microsoft's, you know, um, I'll call it, you know, software stack, um, all the way into the actual processor itself is still fully encrypted with TLS. And um, it's TLS 1.3. And, and that is where the payload is then, you know, the process is then run to, to, to add the payload into the storage mechanism. What that means is, you know, all that transport in is completely um, encrypted and also any results coming out can be completely encrypted back to your client at that point. The underlying data is then um, uh, store, so, so, uh, stored basically inside of a, uh, a storage account at that point, which you could then say, well, a storage account, you know, that, that could be, that's a, you know, a Microsoft hosted um, solution, but you can actually encrypt the data that then, uh, as it sits inside of that storage account. So, you know, yes, somebody could get access, you know, let's, in theory, somebody could get access to that encrypted data, but again, it is, it is encrypted um, as, as you go there. So, and what, and what's, and why that's, you know, that process is, you know, is, is incredibly important for some business processes and scenarios, because again, you know, that end-to-end -end encrypted um, process is very valuable. And also the fact that this is a hosted solution is also very valuable, you know, because setting up your own, you know, fully end-to-end -end encrypted and, you know, verify and verified and tamper-proof solution is a complex, you know, challenge to overcome. And you're effectively, you know, um, allowing somebody else to, to take all of those, you know, or a large number of those problems away from you. Yeah, okay. So when you're talking about sort of access to the, the, the storage count, um, if you think about if you had to create it on a premise, it's going to be a file share, isn't it? Where it's stored and you've still got to protect the access. Doesn't matter where that data sits, you've still got to protect access to that data. It's just that you're able to validate that this hasn't been tampered with, or if it does get tampered with, you can prove that kind of thing because it's in effect. You've got that, that ledger view of it, or that encrypt, you know, that certificate or whatever it is. Yeah, and I think it. it's probably worth highlighting that the the technology that's in place to 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 do that tamper proofing is a, a blockchain um, sort of technology called a Merkle tree, which I'm not going to try and explain it and I'm not going to go into it, but effectively what it is, is every node that you or document that you put in um, cryptographically, it I believe it gets signed back to the root node. And so you get this verification of trust um, cryptographically inside the actual storage mechanism itself. So it's not like, you know, um, 
if you made a file share and you made it so that people could just dump files in, right? And then we ran a, let's say we ran a report which effectively said, well, um, Alan, the global administrator, ran a report to say, well, nobody's tampered with these files because I can't see any, you know, nobody's got access rights or whatever um, to, to do that. Then we're effectively using, you know, uh, you and your access to to verify um, that nothing's happened to those those files. Whereas this is, you know, um, cryptographically secure, you know, in theory, quotes using blockchain um, technologies. And that's, you know, kind of one of the most powerful features of it is we're not relying on any sort of human process or any sort of human review or human configuration. Um, the Merkle tree is in place and it's inside of that secure sandbox container. So what we what we effectively do is, um, you know, is what we're doing is we, we are trusting the hardware, um, you know, enclave then, you know. So in my mind, you know, we'd have to be distrusting of the underlying hardware, you know, the underlying CPU, in this case, Intel CPUs, that all of this stuff is running on. And I think, I think we could all say is if we weren't trusting of the actual underlying hardware, then everything else is mute on top of that, right? You know, of, of all of these, you know, solutions and all modern day computing um, that we use. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so we kind of talked about some of this, but um, you know, how does the the Azure Confidential Ledger um, help companies with with the challenges we were talking about before about you know securing or validating you know important data yeah so i suppose i have i have gone a little bit into that um already about some of the features of it i think that the main thing for me is that you know you're sort of you're pushing a lot of the um, headaches of running a system like this onto somebody else you know you'd effectively just pay for this service and then you can start to consume it i suppose there is an element of you know you're going to need some level of knowledge about the solution. You've got to integrate with it and things like that. But on a day-to-day -day perspective, you know, um, you're effectively utilizing this um, solution. Um, just to talk about the, I suppose, the um, the architecture, you know, a, a little bit further, um, you effectively connect in uh, using um, effectively underlying APIs. There are some um, SDKs as well um, to, to connect to it. So you'll basically send in a um, an object, um, and I believe I, I don't know what the underlying data store is. I assume it gets converted into a JSON object. But you effectively pass a payload in, um, and then that gets um, uh, processed inside of the secure enclave, you know, base ledger uh, backend. And there's multiple um, replicas there of that data as well. But I assume that's just coming from the storage account replication that we get with with storage accounts um and then what you get back is a returns um like signed uh, cryptographic you know tamper proof guarantee that it's actually been added into the the data store um at that point now there is a process of validating um the node that you're connecting to um i won't really go into that process but effectively what you're what you're doing is to to verify that the data that you're reading has not been tampered with. You you effectively validate 
the node that you're connecting to. And there's a there's a process. I think there's like two different processes that you go through to to validate that you are um, talking correctly to um, Intel SGX, basically. Um, so, but that process that we've just talked about there, you know, verifying the nodes, adding the ledger um, ledger items in, and then getting you know signed receipts out of it as well, is um is all wrapped up into a you know an ecosystem and a process for you. You know, you effectively go and press the button, you you deploy it, and then you can start um, connecting to it. Okay, so. Um kind of things I was thinking about around the challenges or, or you know it helping challenges is that because it's um it's uh hosted um you haven't got to worry about updating it I mean you know it's based on the CPU like you said but other maybe stuff around it the, the service itself um you have to worry about keeping it up to date and securing it um because you know you're not hosting it locally and I guess that's another thing is that you if you're hosting it you've got to then protect the access to it you know physical access as well as um yeah remote you know remote access to the network kind of thing um where that's done by microsoft mostly um and i guess there's probably some sort of access control i guess on the front of it around not i say the the uh i'm talking about more networking side of things i guess so you can say where who or what ips can sort of talk to your endpoint um you also said about you started talking about how you connect to it um, and you said about apis and sdks is that is that the way you connect yeah effectively yeah it's it's all a wrapper around their uh, rest api um, to connect to it okay cool okay so we kind of talked about it so what as we always go to um how much does it cost to run it okay so um yeah so the base let me just get my calculator open because I did just. Unfortunately, their pricing page doesn't flip to monthly like some of them do. Some of them <laughs> do. Um, so it's three hundred and thirty-two dollars a month um, for the actual service itself. Okay. Which, you know, as we've described, it's effectively potentially just a storage account with something in front of it. Um, but I think what you're effectively paying for there is, you know, all of that tamper-proof and you know, confidential computing, you know, layers um, and that solution in front of it. Um, because as we've, as we sort of said, the, if you were to, well, even if you did it as I as in Azure, you know, you're going to have to have a file server. You're going to have to harden everything in and around it, then put on a solution to, that is, you know, um, that you're, your your compliance team are happy with around it, you know, and and all of those different things. So, um, three hundred and thirty two dollars a month, and then I think it's twenty cents per gigabyte of stored data, um, basically something like that. Um, and yeah, and as we said, it's you know uh, got multiple replications um, once it's stored. Okay, I mean, not to say working in this space, but it kind of sounds reasonable, like you said, because. I'm just thinking about if you did want to create this on premise. I mean, you you kind of gave the example of doing it in IaaS, but you're going to have to have, you know, separate servers, certain CPUs that support it. Then you've got to build or purchase the software that sits in top of it to give you your your API endpoint and your SEO access to via SDKs to then be able to do that. And then you've got to do backups, I guess, of the 
ledger and things like that. Yeah, and and what what I've what I also read whilst I was um, looking through it and, and testing it is that other solutions you actually have to keep your write receipts as as validation. Basically, they're your like you know your uh, little certificates that you've actually written in, and you've got you know you've got um, the time date stamp of when it was written and 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 that sort of thing. But apparently with this scenario, you, you don't need to do it because of the Merkle tree approach. So what what effectively it means is that you don't need to keep those uh, write receipts, which apparently is another level of burden on top of another uh, other solutions, because mm. you've effectively got to build like a, a a backup solution for your write receipts as well to then go back and verify them in the future when you come to a test Um you know, once you have an audit or something like that. So apparently there's a, another sort of hidden cost um, with, with that approach as well. It's not just the storage of it and writing. Yeah, definitely. And again, if you think about using a blockchain to do it on-premise or things like that, it's something else you've got to maintain, keep up, back up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, people, knowledge, bus number. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a lot to, to think about there. Yeah. Okay, so... How do we sort of, is there, you know, how is, you know, role, role-based role access control handled within it? We kind of talked about, you know, securing the data and things like that. You know, is that possible? Yeah, so um, you can do authentication with Azure AD. Uh, it's integrated there. Or you can do um, certificate-based authentication as well. So you can have a, in theory, you could run it completely standalone, sort of outside of Azure AD. Actually, we shouldn't call it Azure AD anymore. But... I, was, I didn't know whether we wanted to start doing that yet. Um, I was going to announce. I was going to talk about maybe sorry, talk about sorry, it later. Alan, around. Can you um? Could you just let me know what I should be calling it now? <laughs> could you Microsoft Entra ID? <laughs> sorry, um, we could so... use Microsoft Entra ID. Um, Microsoft update your uh, documentation. Um, so yeah, so we can we can effectively integrate or run it completely standalone um if if we don't want to do that as well okay cool and just to clarify anyone that's listening microsoft have rebranded azure ad to microsoft entra id um that's their new thing with a few other capabilities um maybe i'll go into a bit more detail next week because i'm talking about some other things around identity so maybe we'll just do a little little update yeah definitely on next week yeah okay cool so we can secure access, we can do it locally, or we can do it via Azure, uh, Entra, Azure ID or Entra ID. Um, is there anything else, Sam, do you want to talk about, or is there anything else we need to, you think you might have missed? Not really. I think it's it's quite a, you know, sort of, uh, I'll call the, you know, the actions that it performs quite simple. Maybe not the way that it's obviously integrated. I don't want to make it seem like it's a really simple process that, you know, that it models, but you know, effectively, you've you've got a way to store tamper-proof, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, objects of data, um, and I, I think you know the simplicity in its explanation is also the, the the major benefit in how it's actually run, right? You know, and how how you use it. You know, you effectively, you know, you can integrate it with, um, Entra. I, uh, Azure AD, right? You can <laughs> you can either integrate or you can get yourself a certificate. You can um, connect to it via REST API. You can integrate it with your applications, and then you can get 
you know, um, you know, um, tamper proof receipts of, you know, uh, what you've actually put into that data store. Um, you can validate the nodes that are running inside it to make sure they are, you know, um, secured inside that enclave. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's relatively simple. There's, there's not a huge amount um, to it really. And I think, you know, the use cases are, I'll call them niche, but I don't really think they are that niche, you know, because I've seen organizations that need to store um, event logs and security logs in tamper proof, you know, um, data stores for certain periods of time, right? Maybe that's just log analytics, you know, and maybe that's enough to, to get you to where you need to be. But my assumption is, is in other more tightly regulated industries, that attestation of that tamper proof is probably, you know, needs to be more than Alan, the GA said so, you know, um, I don't mean to, you know, discredit you, Alan, and your, you know, and who you are, but, you know, that's, and, and I think that's, you know, what you get um, the ability to do. I suppose one thing I haven't covered is you can have private or public um, um, uh, data stores as well. So you can, in theory, have a public ledger, um, kind of like a public blockchain uh, in, a, in effect, really, as well. So if you do also want to have that level of attestation and, and, and record logging quotes publicly, um, you can also do that um, as well. Yeah, and I guess the, the great thing is, it's, cause it's, it seems like we kind of keep saying it's, it's probably going to be quite a lot of effort to, to build this yourself. You're going to need the skills, the knowledge, and the hardware, etc. Well, I, I personally don't know. I, I don't know of anybody, you know, that I would turn to for a solution like this. Hmm. You know, yeah, I, I just, I simply don't know. Yeah, but what, where, where I was kind of going with it was that, yes, it is three hundred and twenty something pounds, thirty-two dollars, or dollars. Um, yeah, yeah, to run it for the for a month, but it probably spins up in ten minutes, doesn't it? And then you can start testing for a week, maybe spend eighty pound, eighty dollars on it, and then just you know shut it down. In effect, when you don't you know for testing, you know it's, it, for you to be able to see whether you know you can. Do it, I'm, I'm guessing there's you know there's going to be documentation out there to tell you how to connect to it and how you use it, so you can build you know your application, your your interface to to get ready to interface with you know the ledger. And then you can then just you know test it out, and uh, as as you said, it's it's consumption. So once you've done your testing and validated that it might work, you can then you know delete it, um, and then go you know go for your business case etc. To then you know validate you're validating the technology, don't you? It's quite easy to validate the technology as well. Getting that, yeah, you 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 really do bring down that you know validation cycle, don't you? Right, you know, and you go from you know, it being a potential hardware acquisition and, you know, I'll call it an IT slog, not, you know, not dissing anybody Wait. in IT, right? But to get that up and running through the door, managed and, you know, from an ops perspective day to day, other people happy with that solution being in place, right? Because it's not just, it's not just one person that usually owns that, right? You know, those no. types of workloads, you know. And if you're doing it yourself, you got you got how do you validate that you've done it correctly? That it's it's as secure as you believe it is. You know, it, misconfigurations, 
can happen i mean that's yeah it's all that sort of stuff you know you think it's working you you're troubleshooting it this is there you know configured ready you just got to connect to it and do what you need to do with it yeah and i'm sure there is you know um organizations and smes in those organizations Mm. that you know manage these types of solutions day to day and i'd absolutely love to see how this sort of you know um how this is sort of done day to day um but like you say as a point and click exercise you know there's very little barriers except for potentially the cost but if you're an organization that does need to have a, a tamper proof proof security log my assumption is is that you're probably going to have the resources um and the the infrastructure uh, costs to 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 be able to support um, and budgets to be able to support it yeah definitely okay you mentioned you mentioned we did an episode on confidential computing can you remember which one it was season three episode five which okay so any that, last season. yeah but that that seems oh, it's, like it's, ages it's, ago well it's episode five we're oh, on episode five now. Exactly. Yes. Wow. <laughs> that <laughs> um, that actually wasn't on purpose. Um, there was a plan. So, yeah, but it see that that episode. I remember recording that episode, and it didn't feel like twenty episodes ago. That's for no. sure. It's yeah, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, we we talked about um, sort of the other underlying confidential computing uh, resources that are available in Azure because there's. There's a few different levels that you can take confidential computing to. Um, so we we went through each of those. So I would say this episode is like a, I'm going to call it like a past solution on top of confidential computing, right? It's like a, it could even be, no, I'm going to call it pass. Is it SAS? I don't know. I'm going to call it pass um, on, on, on top. So we're at a slightly higher level today. So if you want to understand more of the underlying confidential computing technology, then definitely go um, check that out. Alan, it's your episode next. Um, wh- what are you going to cover? So with the recent announcements of, of from Microsoft Venture, I think we'll do a quick sort of update on those and what came out. I think that's worth doing because it's a it's a, a thing now and the rebrand. Um, but mainly it's going to be around uh, passwordless authentication and the mechanisms that we can do. So to help you know remove that password where we can um, so users don't, change that just change the last digit of their password every time they have to renew every 90 days <laughs> etc yeah um but also make it more slick more you know streamlined for the user as well so bring security in but making it simply you know, in effect simplifying it at the same time which doesn't it's all sound about right that. at all it's, but... it's all about that user experience though isn't it right you know and let's let's be honest with it password loss authentication is probably you know sort of top tier user experience isn't it right when you're having to yeah log into something right it's it's great so yeah definitely it's definitely going to be a great episode yeah so so okay so did you enjoy this episode if so please do consider leaving us a review on apple or spotify this really helps us reach out to more people like you um if you have any specific feedback or suggestions we have links in our show notes to get in contact with us Yeah, and if you've made it this far, uh, thank you very much for listening, and thanks, everyone. We'll catch you on the next one. Yep, thanks, all.